I heard an explanation this week about how to tell the difference between different forms of government. Now, over the centuries, there have been many, many forms of government in many different countries all over the world uh, through many different time periods. This may help you kind of get, uh, and seniors, I know you have, or high schoolers anyway, I know you have finals this week. This might help a little bit, so pay attention. Uh, communism. Here's an example of communism, if you want to know what communism is. Uh, you have two cows. The government takes both of those cows, milks them, keeps the milk, and gives you a pint. That is That would be an example of communism. Socialism. The government takes one of your cows and gives it to your neighbor. That would be socialism. Yeah, you're allowed to chuckle a little bit. It's okay. Fascism. The government takes both your cows and shoots one of them. Nazism. The government takes both of your cows and shoots you. (laughs) Capitalism, you milk both cows, sell one of the cows, and buy a bull. Yeah, see? Yeah, see? Right? You cow people, you you know what I'm talking about, right? And maybe this applies to all bureaucracy, okay? It's not really a form of government, but the whole bureaucracy of it all. Uh, The government takes both cows, milks them, and pours the milk down the drain. That's what uh, it seems like would be happening there. Now, I, I know that we are told that uh, to keep the peace in most conversations, we are not supposed to talk about two things most of the time, right? Religion and politics, right? And the Great Pumpkin? Okay, yeah. Today... Well, usually we talk religion here, right? We're already breaking one of the rules. Today, we're also just going to, we're just going to do it all. We're just going to tackle them both. Buckle up. Here we go. We're in, uh, we're still in, uh, in Romans and, uh, and we're just going to cover what it covers. Uh, people do a lot of complaining about the government these days. Actually, people have been complaining about the government, their governments for, uh, for years and years. Over the centuries, there have been many forms of government and, uh, some of them are real close to ours. Some of them are worlds apart. Uh, and the problems that we see in government today, uh, have been going on in, in some form or another for a long time. And so today, as we keep marching through the book of Romans, we come to a passage that talks about how we should relate to what Paul calls the governing authorities in our lives. Um, It's pretty straightforward. We we read it, uh, and and whether it's socialism or or capitalism or democracy or monarchy or, or whatever, Paul doesn't really differentiate all that. He just calls them all governing authorities, and and he tells us how we need to relate to those things and gives us some principles uh, to apply. Now, this conversation probably is pretty appropriate in the middle of a presidential election year and all of the craziness swirling around. Um, we've participated in that here. We've already built a wall, um, but we we had to pay for it ourselves. So I guess that... Just kidding. Don't worry, we're not picking, uh, I'm not coming down on any side of a political party today. You don't have to be nervous that I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach for or against anybody. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about the governing authorities. Uh, the easy thing would be to, uh, just kind of ignore all this, right? Or to, uh, to, I guess go the other side, get on Facebook and, and start, uh, ranting about, uh, this and that and whatever, uh, you do, you, you do or don't like. Uh, but the first few verses, we're gonna be in the first few verses of Romans 13. Uh, 
and, uh, and speaks to, uh, to these government issues, and we can't really skip over them, and actually they're, they're pretty applicable. But at the same time, it's kind of difficult when you read through it, and could be even considered controversial, and, and, and although it doesn't tell us how to vote, it does give us guidelines on how we should relate to authority in our lives. Not just government per se, although that's a big part of this, but authority in general in our lives and how we should relate to it. You might push back on this. You might say, I don't think I get, uh, go with that. Maybe there's some way. Uh, good. I, I think today what we're doing is that we're going to pull this topic up and we're going to wrestle with it a little bit. And we're going to try to see what the Holy Spirit might have us to understand from Romans 13. Now, you remember that the first two-thirds of Romans, uh, hopefully you remember, it's only been, you know, four years since we first started this series, uh, actually five months, but uh, you remember the first two-thirds of Romans is very theological, right? And it's all about what we believe and why we believe it and who is God and what has he done for us and who is Jesus and what has he done for us and who are we and, and how we can't operate. There's no way we can get to God unless he has done these things and, and all of that, uh, all the things that God has done for us. And, and Paul does that through the first 11 chapters of Romans. And then a couple weeks ago, we made a pretty significant turn in, in Romans chapter 12, uh, where, where Paul kind of turned that corner and uh, started di- discussing the details of how to live it out. Uh, he literally says, okay, uh, therefore, um, I urge you in view of God's mercy... And then he starts telling us what we need to do, keeping God's mercy in view. In light of what all that God has done for us, in light of all his theological stuff, here's the foundation. We've laid all these foundations. This is what we believe. Okay, what does that mean Monday morning? How does how do I live that out on a Tuesday afternoon? What do I need to do in view of God's Mercy, how should we live? Last week, we, we saw that, that that means we need to, uh, there's just a bunch of practical things of how we live that out. We need to do something, right? We need to get active. That, that, uh, a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about that whole idea of living sacrifices and how we are sacrificing ourselves to God and we, we're living that out. And, and that means it's going to be active and we're going to be, we're going to be doing what God wants us to do. We've got to do something. We can't just sit back. And now in, in chapter 13, Paul says, well, well, okay, living sacrifice, all this stuff God has done in view of God's mercy, what does that mean? Well, it also affects how we live in relation to the authority that is in our lives. So the last verse of chapter 12, just to get things in context here, chapter 12 uh, starts off with, uh, I urge you in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Goes through this whole list of all these things we need to do and how we need to uh, to live all this out. And God has gifted us, and we need to uh, love must be sincere, and all those things. How we need to treat people that aren't necessarily even treating us well. And then he says at the last verse of chapter twelve, do not be conform, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And the very next verse he starts talking about government. So I don't know if talking about evil uh, equaled talking about government. It very well maybe kind of could have, but uh, uh, Romans chapter thirteen. Verses 1 through 7, here we go. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant 
for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe him, what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. As we tackle these verses, we have to remind ourselves, I think, of the context where Paul is writing. Who, who are these people that are picking up this letter and reading it? Who are, who are these folks? And we're, we're in the, the, the mid to late 50s AD, okay? So a couple years ago, right? No, we're, we're, they're in Rome, uh, and these are Christians. Some are Jews, a lot are Gentiles, non-Jews, and they're picking up this letter, mid 50s, and, uh, I, maybe, maybe you know, uh, those, oh, yeah, you, you guys that are in government class right now, maybe you know, if you studied the Roman Empire, who, who is, uh, who is emperor, uh, in the fifties in, uh, in Rome? Anybody? Starts with an N, ends in an Ero. <laughs> See what I did there? That's right. Nero. He's a great guy, right? Upstanding, awesome. You've probably heard of him fiddling as Rome burns, right? Well, that didn't quite happen yet. That was in the 60s. But, but, uh, right here, Nero is still, uh, emperor. Uh, this is who, this is what is going on. This is the government of the time as these people pick up this scroll and are reading it, passing it around to the different groups of Christians throughout Rome. Uh, their government is the Roman government. Nero, uh, is said to have, uh, burned the city and then blamed the Christians for it. He, he was, uh, he literally, and again, this happened, uh, didn't, hadn't happened yet when, when they're reading this for the first time, literally took Christians, uh, is said to have dipped them in oil, set them on fire, put them on poles in order to light his gardens, right? Uh, they were, uh, Christians were thrown to the lions in the Colosseum. And, and all that happened less than 10 years after Paul would have written this Letter. So that's the context. It's real life stuff really happening right then. Uh, it, it, it was not great for Christians under the Roman government. It was a violent, hard-nosed, oppressive authority that demanded allegiance or else. It's the government that crucified Jesus, right? And it's to that government, Paul says, everyone must be subject to the governing authorities. No, Paul, no, I don't think so. You, you don't live here in Rome. You don't know what's going on. Uh, you, you don't know the, the oppression that we're under. Remember the Jesus, you know, Rome. Submit yourselves. Be subject to the governing authorities. Not only that, Paul goes a little bit further. He says that God has established the governing authorities. Not just, oh, these guys are in charge and so you should submit. But God has has put them in charge, has allowed them to be in charge. And it makes us pause. Uh, in our own context, it makes us pause, right? And we're in 20th century free America. Uh, think what it would have sounded like to those Christians in Rome under Nero. God has established that? You've got to be kidding. But Paul's not kidding. He even says it twice there in the first verse. And so there's no confusion. And in doing so, Paul is underlining a principle that is not only uh, true here, but throughout Scripture, we see it uh, several different times. The principle is that God works through human authority. God works through human authority. Good, 
human authority and bad human authority, righteous human authority and unrighteous human authority, believing human authority and unbelieving human authority. God works through human authority. So if God has established the governing authorities in your life, and God works through human authority, then to rebel against or disobey human authority is to rebel against or to disobey God. I'm telling you, we're wrestling with this, right? We, none of, not all of that sits pretty in our, little, in our little heart of hearts, right? In other words, Paul is telling these Roman Christians in the middle of an oppressive governmental system, and he's telling us in the middle of the political chaos and whatever we've got going on in, uh, in D.C. right now, He says, your attitude and response to human authorities is a reflection of your attitude and response to God. Your response to the authorities that you can see is a reflection of your response to the authorities of God whom you can't see. Now, it's as I said, it's it's not just true of government, but any authority that God has placed in your life. To not submit to human authority is like not submitting to God himself. Remember, remember last week, one major characteristic of, li- of a living sacrifice is that we're humble, right? We're in humility. We, we don't think of ourselves more highly than, than, than we should. Uh, we, we, uh, we're, we're a sacrifice. We're offering ourselves. It's submission. Submission is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, you can look through history to, to see a, a lot of examples of uh, the fact that, that, that a government can control its people without the people submitting. Does that make sense? They, they, can, they can come in and oppress and, uh, and, and kind of put their, their, their weight down and, and get all, get all uh, uh, you know, violent and, and, uh, and do all these things and force people to follow along. But the people are, uh, you know, not submitting to that authority, right? They're fighting it every step of the way. Being subject to or submitting to means willingly placing myself under the authority of someone or some structure takes humility. I'm going to let you lead. That's what that's what uh, that's the kind of the essence of what he's talking about here. You need to let the government governing authorities in your lives, you need to let them lead. And Paul says in doing that, I'm letting God lead because he has established the governing authorities in our lives. Now, I want you to hang on here cuz cuz uh, although we're already thinking maybe we're thinking, oh, I don't know that I like that. It gets a little harder. So, keep with me. Verse 4 says, not only have the authorities been established by God, here we go, they are God's servants for your good, God's agents in our lives to bring about our good. Really? Maybe you're saying, my boss is an agent of God for my good? I don't think so. I mean, he's the most unholy, curses like a sailor, gets on my last nerve guy. It's certainly not an, uh, a servant of God. He doesn't even believe in God. Paul says that doesn't matter. God works through human authority. Maybe at the end of the school year, you're going, I don't know, my teacher sure isn't, sure isn't an agent of God in my life. No way. And Paul says, yes way. God works through human authority. Or maybe you say, well, certainly not my parents. There's no way that my parents are an agent of God in my life. I mean, they made my life just uh, awful. I, I, they, I can't wait to get... Of course, your parents. God works through human authority. Uh, here we go. President Barack Obama is God's servant for my good. 
not saying anything political. I'm just, the, the U.S. Congress are God's servants for my good? Really? I mean, I told you this was kind of crazy stuff, right? Take it back to these first people that are reading this. Uh, Christians, uh, under the mentally disturbed, pagan, vile, violent emperor Nero. Uh, Paul is even describing Nero, especially describing Nero and the Roman government at this time. Uh, and he says that, that Nero is God's servant for their good. God works through human authority. And your attitude toward your human authorities is a reflection of your attitude toward your father in heaven. And it's still not over yet. But we're almost there, so we just got to keep on pushing through, right? We can't stop now. Verse 5. Verse 5 says that not only do we need to submit to authorities uh, because we'll be punished if we don't. And, and just, to, uh, I mean, that's, that's a lot of times maybe we don't, uh, we, we'll, we'll do what they say, but we don't really want to. I'm sure kids have never done that before. Oh, fine, I'll do it, but I don't want to. It's never happened in my house. That's, that's typical, and verse 5 talks about this whole, uh, actually, uh, kind of the whole middle of that, that passage talks about if you do the right thing, uh, then, then you know, you don't feel the wrath or the terror of the, uh, of the government, but if you do the wrong thing, if you push against this, if you disobey them, then you're going to get punished for it. And so Paul says, yeah, you need to submit uh, uh, because it's the way you stay out of trouble. Paul says that, 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 that it's a legitimate reason. One big reason is that, that we, one big reason to be subject to the authorities in our lives is because life is better when we follow those rules when we when we line up that that uh, that that we we follow what they say and so we don't feel the wrath of the of the government so to speak uh, the wrath of the authorities in our lives there's there's punishment if you don't so he says in verse 5 that we need to submit to authorities uh, first reason uh, because we'll be punished if we don't but then he goes beyond that and he says that we should submit we should be subject to these authorities in our lives not only to stay out of trouble but also as a matter of conscience in other words, it's the right thing to do. We do it not, whether we would get in trouble or not, we need to submit to these authorities because a, a human authority has been established by God and God works through it. So, just to try to step on some more toes, you're filling out your income tax. You're not just accountable to the federal government who may never figure out that you cut some corners here or there. It's a matter of conscience because the federal government is an agent of God for your good, and so we subject ourselves to that authority. It doesn't, I, I'm not saying, and we'll get here in a second, I'm not saying that they're godly. They're an agent of God. It, it means that when you're taking a test at school and you have a chance to cheat, nobody is going to find out. It's not just a matter of whether I get caught or not. It's a matter of conscience, because to cheat my teacher, to te cheat the educational system, is to cheat God, because I need to be subject to the authorities in my life. I guess I'd kind of summarize that this way. You are not just accountable to the earthly authorities in your life. You are ultimately accountable to God. So Paul goes on. He gives a couple of examples. He says, this is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants. Remember those, those taxes. Now, the, the Christians that are, are reading this letter uh, in Rome, uh, those taxes that they uh, Paul says we need to pay those, they're supporting the secular oppressive government that killed Jesus. 
And into that twisted, messed up, perverted political scene, Paul says, you don't pay taxes because they're fair or because it all makes sense. You do it because the government was established by God and you are currently under its authority. So if you cheat the government, you're cheating God. He says, give to everyone what you owe them. Let's pray. No. Um, Of course, we push back on all this a little bit, right? Does that just mean that we just roll over and we let people and governments and authority just uh, do whatever and we should just never question authority? And Of course, we should, we should always question authority, right? But as we question authority, we're still remaining under authority. We're respecting it. We're subject to it. Maybe it's kind of like this. For some reason, God is allowing this hard person or this difficult situation, or this unfair practice. God is allowing this to affect me right now in my life. So I can question it, and, and, and I can complain to the right people and, and go through the right channels, and, and, and maybe I need to write some letters, and, and maybe I need to make some phone calls, and maybe I need to march in the street. I, I don't know. But, but even in that process, through that whole process, Paul says that I can't disrespect authority because it's been allowed and established by God. Okay, but what about authority that is asking me to do something immoral? Let's say that a father asks his son to go rob a bank. I'm sure it's happened before. Does the son just jump in and, and do it? Because that father is an authority in his life. And so uh, he should just go ahead and do that because, uh, because uh, dad is the authority figure there. What about a situation of child abuse? Is Paul saying that the child should simply submit to his or her abuser? What about, let's, let's look at a government situation. What about the Nazi regime under Hitler? Was it okay for those soldiers to just follow orders and, and murder millions simply because Hitler was in charge and so they, they just followed along? I'm submitting to the authority that is over me, so I'm going to do whatever they say because God has established that authority and God works through that. So he must have a plan. So I'm just going to... What happens when authorities require immoral, unethical, or even uh, sinful behavior? It sounds like Paul is saying we should just go along with them, right? They're in charge. We've we've done this before, and and uh, and and I hope that you're you're learning how to do this in your own Bible study and reading. But when we come to a difficult passage, we need to look through the rest of Scripture to see the clear teaching of, of all of the Bible and then take that clear teaching and apply it to the, the, the confusing or difficult thing. And, and I think this is a, a great uh, place to, to apply that principle again. All through the Bible, there are examples, example after example after example, of godly righteous people who pushed back on, disobeyed authority, Right? So, so we take those examples and, and we see those things. I'll give you a couple in a minute, but we see those things and, and we go, well, Paul's saying this over here and it seems like to go completely against all these things over here. Well, we need to take all these things and apply it to see what, what Paul's really saying. Daniel in the Old Testament was told not to pray, right? The, he was praying. People were, uh, were, were mad at him for, for praying and being this godly person. And, and so they got the king to, to, to say, nobody can pray to God anymore. And Daniel opened his window. And at, at the, the times that he always did pray, he continued to pray and publicly. And everybody knew it. And he got in trouble for it. And he got thrown in the lion's den. He pushed back against the, uh, the authority because he was going to obey God instead. You've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That, uh, or, or if you're a VeggieTale fan, Rack, Shack, and Benny, right? And, uh, and, and they, the, you know, the, the, the king built the big thing and, and said, you gotta bow to this. And they said, no, we're not gonna do that. We can't 
can't bow to anyone or anything but God. And they pushed back on authority and they said, no. Uh, you've got... Uh, 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 Peter and John in Jerusalem, uh, book of Acts, uh, first, uh, uh, chapter three, chapter four, and, um, and, and they were arrested for speaking in Jesus' name, and, and the, the, the Pharisees called them in and said, hey, uh, we're gonna let you go and kind of slap your wrists here, but, uh, we need you to not ever do this again. And they said, um, we're gonna keep doing this. Uh, we're, because we're going to, and literally, here's the quote, uh, we are going to obey God rather than men they said. Sounds like it's going completely against what Paul is saying, submit yourself to the authorities uh, because they're established by God. But you got Peter and John saying, hey, no, we're going to obey God. We're not going to obey you. Yeah, you're authority over the church, but, but right now in this, we can't, we can't submit to you. Paul himself uh, in, in Philippi, we, the story, I don't know if you, you uh, remember the story, but a whole lot of stuff happened uh, at the um, at part of their, uh, their, their time there in Philippi. There was a big earthquake and uh, they were in jail and, and then they came out and the, the jailer got saved and all of his family. And then the, the city officials kind of came and said, um, okay, um, we were kind of we hasty in, in, um, in arresting you and stuff. Sorry about that whole uh, putting you in stocks in the basement of the dungeon and all that. Our bad. Uh, you can just kind of slide on out of town. That'd be cool. And Paul said, no, I don't think so. I, I'm, a, I'm a Roman citizen, and you didn't treat me right. And, uh, and I'm going to push back on Yeah, you're the authority here right now, but I'm not going to submit myself to you right now. I'm, uh, you need to bring the big, the big guns in here, and we need to make this thing right. He pushed back. What, what better example can we give but Jesus? He didn't submit to the ruling authorities of his day. He was... Uh, uh, one thing, I think he just waited till the Sabbath just to heal people, just for fun, just to kind of get them, right? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, it's Friday and I could heal. Come back on, on Saturday and we will just, we'll get at this because I've got some Pharisee guys that are coming in and they really need to, you know, so, you know, their, their rules were here and Jesus said, you know what? I'm, I'm not submitting to that. He, he goes into the temple and he, and he turns over tables and he, he, uh, he, he, gets rid of the money changers and he's beating people up and setting goats free and all these kinds of things. It's not exactly the picture of submission to authority, right? Example after example after example. We, we can't take this, the, these couple of verses in Romans to mean that we should just go along with everything that an earthly government or authority has established. So, so what do we do with that? How do we, how do we put these things together? I, someone a whole lot smarter than me I think uh, uh, established something that, that, that I found through this week that I think really helps. When an authority abuses its authority, or if it works outside of the law, or it demands something that is sinful, then you appeal to the next authority. But you still remain under authority. There's a lot of authorities there, right? So if, if there's a, there's a, a, an immoral authority, and I can't submit myself to that authority, but I'm still remaining under authority, and so then I appeal, appeal to the next authority, or I appeal to the, the, the one after that, or ultimately, obviously, I am, I am uh, submitting myself to God's authority overall. I cannot, I cannot submit to that because I'm submitted to God, and the two don't, don't meet. We're, we're living sacrifices. Remember, that's the kind of the, 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 the gist of, of where this is going. Paul says we're offering ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. It's worship. Our lives are worship. What does that look like? Well, in the realm of authority, that looks like I'm going to submit myself to authority, uh, including and ultimately, uh, obviously, submitting myself to God's authority in my life. 
sacrifices have submitted to the authority of God for their lives. And that's ultimately what Paul's addressing here. So even if the authority seems out of whack or crazy or, or uh, you know, out there and, and demanding things, ultimately we're, we're submitting ourselves to God's authority in our lives, regardless of who my boss is or who my teacher is or who's in the White House or on Capitol Hill. And, and here's something else I think we need to get. Uh, rather than just saying, oh, I don't like that person, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to uh, go over here and do my own thing, that's not what... That's not what that says. It says we're going to appeal to but still remain under authority. And it could be. It could be that God uses someone awful to bring about something good. Throughout the Old Testament, again, examples of God using that, doing that very thing. Uh, it talked about uh, uh, the, the whole... Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thing. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, awful, wicked guy, didn't believe in God, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't care, uh, about God, came in, but God used him and the Babylonian empire of that time to come in and to take over and to, uh, to, to help the people of God, uh, learn a lesson and get back on track. And through that exile and through those years, God used this oppressive government, this, this, uh, this awful thing to bring about something good. In 1873, Dora Greenwell, author, songwriter, a poet, she published a hymn, 1873, so a couple of years ago, 130-ish years ago. Uh, back in 2009, uh, Aaron Schust brought, all, brought the, that hymn to, uh, to the 21st century under the song title, My Savior, My God. And the song starts off with the, the, this phrase, I am not skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. So Dora Greenwell, 130 whatever years ago, Aaron Schust, seven years ago, I think this principle is true. I am not skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. We can't possibly see everything that God is up to, but we trust him and that's part of submitting to authority right uh we, we submit to god as we do that as, as living sacrifices we allow him to transform us and, and we begin to catch glimpses of what what paul says in in romans 12 true we begin to catch glimpses of his good pleasing and perfect will uh, but we don't know the whole thing and we'll never have god's complete perspective and although it doesn't always make sense and we can't quite figure it all out, part of submitting to God's authority means submitting to earthly authorities because God has established earthly authorities for our good. Just a couple examples. Back in the days when the nation of Israel was in captivity in Egypt, right? So, so they, are in, uh, they, are, they are slaves in Egypt, oppressed by Egyptian taskmasters and, and forced to, uh, to, to work uh, just awful conditions and, and build bricks and build uh, all these things in, in, in Egypt. And, and Pharaoh thought that he was God. No, no way did he recognize or submit to the Jewish God. And if you had shown up in that day and age uh, when, when these uh, people of God, the Israelites, were oppressed in slavery, you probably would have thought, God, they don't need to obey these Egyptians. These are not godly authorities. They, they don't even recognize you as God. Uh, they need to rise up and rebel and free themselves. I mean, God, do something here. And I think God probably would come back with, I am doing something. I'm creating a nation 
And that's exactly what he was doing. And through those 400 plus years of, of oppression in Egypt, he was raising up a nation that then exited. We read about in the Exodus and went back to the promised land and the story of God unfolds through their lives. But, but part of that story was an oppressive governing authority for years. God was up to something, whether they could see it or not. If you'd shown up in the time of Jesus, Jesus is on trial, and you might have said, God, you've got to do something here. I mean, the, the Pharisees are way out of bounds. They're, they're stirring up the crowd. They're manipulating people. They've, they've hired people to lie about Jesus so, so he can, uh, uh, through these, these unfair trials, and, and Pilate doesn't acknowledge you, God. Come on, Rome doesn't acknowledge you. Uh, your only son is about to die under these wicked authorities. God, you've got to do something. And I think God would say, I am doing something. I'm saving the world. God was up to something, even under oppressive governing authorities. God is up to something in your life. And he might just be using the authorities that he's placed you under during this time to bring about his plans. He's up to something, maybe through that school system that you can't quite figure out and you're, you're always kind of seeming like you're wrestling with him and you're not quite... Sure, what's going on? He's up to something in your company, that company that you work for. and er, He's up to something through your parents. He's up to something through your family. God is even up to something through that roller coaster ride of a political system that we have. Takes faith, doesn't it? God is at work, and he works through human channels of authority that he has established when we understand it and when we don't, when it makes sense and when it doesn't, when they're godly and when they're not. God is at work. He works through human authorities. So Paul says, be subject to the governing authorities in your life. What does that look like? Christians, I think we need to be the best, most respectful citizens of these United States of America. Not because we don't ask hard questions, because we ask the hard questions while still remaining subject to and respecting the authority that God has established. I hesitate to, uh, to go here because it might um, hit too close to home, but teenagers, You ought to be the most incredibly obedient sons and daughters. And I'm not just saying that as a father. You don't do that not just because you don't have a will, not just because you're not smart, or not because you don't, uh, because your, your, your parents know everything and you don't know anything. No, that's not it at all. You submit to the authority in your life, even your parents' authority, because you understand that God has given you your parents and part of following God in your life right now is obeying their authority. Even if it's like, err, a lot of the time. We need to be the most loyal employees at our companies or wherever we, wherever we work. Not because we agree with everything with our, our employer, but for this time and place, we have agreed to work for a company and be part of an industry or whatever. We understand that our bosses, hard to swallow, our bosses are servants of God for our good, even if we don't quite get it right now. So what do we do with all this? Well, as I said before, we need to wrestle with it, right? It's not just all, oh, Pastor Pete gave a sermon and I just need to do this. We need to wrestle with it. We need to say, well, what does that mean here? How do I do that here? God, help me understand what that is over here. Whether you agree or disagree, 
take it to God. Evaluate if you are submitting to the authorities that God has placed in your life or not. Maybe it will mean not participating in the conversation around the water cooler tomorrow that denigrates your boss or your business. Maybe it'll mean following your parents' rules, even though we know your parents' rules are stupid. I know, but you're going to follow your parents' rules because God has established their authority for this time and place in your life. Maybe it'll mean making things right with the IRS. I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll need to delete some Facebook rants that you've got out there floating somewhere because your attitude toward authority that you can see is a reflection of your attitude toward the authority of God whom you can't see. One thing I think we have to do uh, in light of all this is what Paul told Timothy, his, his protege, this young pastor that he was, he was training. Uh, and, and in 1 Timothy chapter 2, the first couple of verses, he says, Timothy, I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intersection, intercession and thanksgiving be made for kings and all those in authority. Pray for your leaders, for those in authority over you. Pray that God's will would be accomplished through them. Pray for them to willingly submit to God's authority in their lives. And just a quick word, if you find yourself in authority, in the government, in your job, in in the community, in your family, we've got to realize the other side of this. If, If I find myself in authority, then I must realize that I am an agent of God, a servant of God for the good of those whom I am serving and or over. Recognize that authority and in all humility submit yourself to God's authority even as you, as you serve him as an authority figure in the lives of those around you. I, I guess a lot of times we do, we do this. I said at the beginning, we don't need to talk about religion or politics because that always, ah, you know. And we've got the whole separation of church and state thing and, and uh, you know, we, we'll, uh, that's, that's um, part of the foundation of our, of our, uh, of our country and all those things. And so a lot of times we kind of keep the politics over here and we keep my spiritual life over here and, and we, we take the, the government over there, except when they start hitting the, uh, the, the, the moral, uh, button issues, you know, and then, then we, we start pulling them together. What I think helps us here is that, that all of this is a spiritual, life is a spiritual issue. Your response to the rules at work it's a spiritual issue. Your response to the authority at school is a spiritual issue. Your response to authority in your home is a spiritual issue. Your response to your government leaders is a spiritual issue. You can't split those out because God works through human authority. Your attitude and response to the authorities that you can see is a reflection of your attitude and response to your Heavenly Father. Father. 